Welcome back to the Takes with Tailgaters podcast. My name is Talon Hauser and my other co-host, Caden Cooley. How's it going? And our other other co-host, Nathaniel Yates. So, uh, I hate when you fell through water. Sorry, that's my bad. Yeah, you changed it up. My brain is mentally prepared for me to be second. I'm ready to talk. Well, now that we've changed the setup to where Caden's right next to me, I just, I don't know. It's been this way for a while. Yeah, we've been doing this. This is like our fifth week with this. And I did that last, I did, I said you first last episode. I'm deaf in one ear right now, so that just threw me off. I, I just, take him off intro duties. yeah, we should just take him off editing duties. Right. Just kidding. I, just I, I, I don't want to. Great way to start that. the episode. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we have an amazing episode for you guys today. We're gonna go with best of this week, weekly winners. Then we got some NHL trade deadline news. Then we have an amazing interview with Chris Parker, Liberty basketball player. Amazing interview with him. Talk about the March Madness tournament, a little bit about his, his career and his life of basketball. He has some great stories that feature Chris. We even got his. Nash. We even got his opinion on Kansas City barbecue. Yeah, we did. Spoiler alert! It was good. He said. Obviously, what else were you expecting? Then we got our Godzilla versus King Kong review. What an amazing movie! Brought to you by Miller Theaters. Brought to you by Miller Theaters. Great sponsors. Miller Theaters was nice enough to have us out. They gave us free tickets. Mm-hmm. They hooked us up, got some popcorn, got like some $30 snacks. Watched a great movie, and we're going to review it and give it a score. We have the ESPN Top 25 Under 25 list that we're going to review and take a look at, because a lot of controversial takes here, where you're really just putting potential versus potential. A lot of guys would like to be moved on that list. And then we are going to finish up today's episode with the NBA stock market. So let's get into it. Bully was the best thing you saw this week. Best thing I saw this week was Jimmy Butler shaming Bam. So I think this was last night, but Bam missed a free throw. And then they cut to Jimmy in the back, and he just looked like a disappointed father. <laughs> it's like Jimmy's at that point in his career where he's kind of like mentoring these younger guys, so they all want to like impress him. And Bam just looks so depressed because like got the hands on the knees. And like if you're doing that at the free throw line, then you're just your soul's hurting, man. Jimmy's not a guy to mess with. I feel like he would like. If I was on Jimmy's team and he had that face, mm-hmm. uh, I would feel dis- like I would be like, man, I disappointed my dad. And it's just like Jimmy's just unintentionally funny, bro. <laughs> like Jimmy just he just can do anything. And it's just hilarious. Like his coffee company, too. His I think it's just company. coffee company. He right? likes like Taylor Swift and he's friends with Mark <laughs> Wahlberg. Like, he's a very interesting character. And yeah. he's not even like a star star. Like he was a 30th pick. Yeah. I don't know. It's quite funny that he like became this m- almost memeable player. My favorite story from his career is still when he took on the Timberwolves starters with the like third stringers and beat them. Yeah, how do you think they felt? At least, so at demoralizing. Least he likes, at least he likes Bam Adebayo. Yeah. I wish I could have watched that practice. I think, I think that'd be so amazing. Oh, dude, that would have been, been that would have been such a high tension. Uh, oh god. Cats just gotta be standing there like, bro, come on. We're not this bad, guys. We can do this. Uh, they are. Tom, what about you? What's the best thing you uh, Best thing I saw this week was A-Rod buying out the Timberwolves for a reported $1.5 billion. Jeez. Maybe someone can like explain this to me, but why did he buy the Timberwolves specifically? Is it just because they were available? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I yeah, I guess like it is definitely a quite the interesting thing that, you know, Timberwolves haven't had a lot of success the past couple of years and maybe getting a new ownership could turn things around. Or not, who knows? But uh, it definitely is is a good sign for Timberwolves fans. Be it like, doesn't, it doesn't not take into effect until twenty twenty three. Yeah, so yes. gotta wait a couple of years for that. But honestly, I, I, I was a Timberwolves fan. I think I'd be excited. About yeah, that. I mean, I'd be hyped. The ownership 
the past however many years hasn't worked, so try something different. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know, it's kind of cool just for A-Rod to be in the NBA circle. Isn't it kind of sad, though, to be a player of the Timberwolves and you're like, damn, no one's going to care about us for two years. No one's cared about them yeah, for no 20, so. <laughs> They're just used to it. Yeah, it's kind of just. You know, the Timberwolves. Like the yeah, the Timberwolves, their thing is like, you know, we'll be bad forever and we'll always have really good bigs. That's their thing. Kevin Garnett, Kevin Love, Cat. We'll those bigs will leave. We'll leave. And then win a ring. Win a ring, yeah. That's how it works. That's how it goes. So hopefully A Rod can change that. Love, both of them just left and won a ring. And Cat hasn't left yet, but we all know it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. The best thing I saw this week was the New Jersey Devils social media page. Now, the New Jersey Devils aren't well managed and obviously suck, but their social media team is fine. Obviously. They have been gassing people recently. So, on Twitter, obviously, there's a lot of trolls and a lot of haters. Some guy commented at the Devils. How about scoring? Playing defense, question mark? No, it's okay. At least you guys have memes. And then they responded with, your tweets hold as much weight as you do. And his profile picture is him lifting with no weight on the bar. So, they just really went after this dude. Ouch. And didn't he for that, too? I believe he did. <laughs> Which imagine you, getting embarrassed by a terrible hockey team so bad that you have to go forward and delete your account. I mean, as a Devils fan, it's probably like the only dub we've had all year. So go us. Or at least we're not the Sabres. That's we'll almost better that. than winning the cup, I would say, though. Just memeing on somebody well, on like, your Twitter. Uh, you know, it's close. <laughs> it's close. <but laughs> no, no. The Kings, the Kings social media platform is really good, too. And I think it's just when you suck as a franchise, you need to have something to grasp onto. And nowadays, yes. you can just be like, hey, have a fire social media page. Well, Let's and also, honest. when you're a small market, it's like, you got to do something to get attention. Yeah. Followers. yeah. Like, I follow the Kings Instagram page, and I'm not a Kings fan, but I follow them because they're very self-aware. Whenever they lose, they post memes about how sad they are. And I really vibe with that. Yeah, that's it is. I would feel as a fan. That's like the most awkward part in sports media where your favorite team, they'll be posting throughout the game being like, we're up two, we're up this. And then they post, when they lose, they post final, period. Yeah. <laughs> it's so like, king, this king is just like really given to that. They're just like, we're sad. Darn. I remember the Chiefs lost the Super Bowl. I don't even think they made a post afterwards. It was just like, guys, come on. You had to have something in the bank ready. Yeah, that, that that's, that's like every sports media team. They they have something prepared for them winning the championship, and every single time they like to lose, it's just like uh. It's like the T-shirts that get sent to charities. They just don't exist afterwards. Yep. All right, thanks, Caden. Thanks for making me really <laughs> happy. Remember when you guys lost Super Bowl? They won it the year before, so I can't really be like, "Wow, we didn't win two years in a row." It does suck when you lose, though. I don't um, know. so I my week we made it there, yeah. so. Yeah, I mean, as a person, as a team who didn't make it there, I would also like to be there. Yes, so, fair enough. My weekly winner, Austin Matthews. So the Maple Leafs in general have had an amazing year. You know, they're getting a lot of love for cup contention, and Austin Matthews scored his third career hat trick this week, and he has just had an amazing season. He is fifty-two points in thirty-eight games played. Sheesh, man. I, and we'll get into more like Maple Leafs talk later, but that's my weekly winner. My weekly winner is Hideki Matsuyama. Wow, I actually got it right. I'm so proud of myself. That was good. I'm just very bad at pronouncing things. But he became the first Japanese male golfer to win a major this weekend at the majors. So that was pretty sick. Obviously, with all the uh, Asian discrimination going on right now. Sorry, did not mean to get like super serious. But it was really cool to see. It was a cool moment. Also, his caddy 
sick. He had a moment where I think it was after the 18th hole, he went up and bowed to the, I think it's called a pin. I don't remember, but he was placing it back and he bowed after he set it in there. So it was an awesome moment. That's kind of dope. I mean, their culture has a lot of respect for a lot of things, which I think is something that we could use here in the States, but um, it's really cool. Just something simple like that. And I'm not a huge golfer, but I read something online that said another golfer just referred to the course as some par 67, which I think is disrespectful in a way i have no idea i'm not a golfer i mean it's it's the majors so like yeah. you would think <laughs> so i think they're gassing on the course and mm-hmm. so then to see this caddy like respect it i think that was a big thing right but like i said i don't know that much and he was the golf. winner's caddy so no that you know that was sick it's i mean very cool for him especially like we said with all the stop agent hate thing going on really cool to see him win it i'm a big fan i'm, I'm not a huge golf fan but that is a nice moment it was a cool moment. T. Dizzle, your weekly winner. My weekly winner is something about baseball. Wow. Uh, Joe Musgrove. Great name. Fantastic name. Cool name. Um, first no-hitter in Padres history, which is wild to me. Like, how long have the Padres been a thing? It's a great question. Let me Google that Because you'd figure quick. there'd be one, right? There I mean, might yeah. be one somewhere. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know baseball that well, but I, I didn't think they were that uncommon. Well, it was the first one of the year, which is pretty cool. True. They started in 1969. Damn. That's pretty long. That's a a a while. Uh, But you know what? That's as old as my dad. However it happened, uh, great for him. You know, obviously, uh, being a franchise, being around for like 30, 40 years, that's 40 years. That was really good math. Thank you. 50. 52. Okay. Well, all the maths. Even proves my point even more. Hey, One that I can't do math. <laughs> and two, good for Joe Musgrove. Great name and a great game. Bars. Getting the first no hitter in your franchise's history would be such a flex, especially like 52 years after they started. Like, yeah, I'm pretty sick with it. I'm kind of the best to ever do it with this club. Just saying. I mean, yeah, I mean, Padres fans gotta be loving it. I mean, their team's actually good. They just got a no no. I'd be pretty excited if I was them. All right, so we're going to get into some NHL trade deadline move. Former Devils MVP Taylor Hall has been traded from Buffalo to Boston in a just crazy deal. And boy, honestly, Boston took a huge dub and the Sabres once again took a huge L because the Boston Bruins got Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar and all the Buffalo Sabres got in return is a second rounder in Anders Bjork. That is a fleecing. That is a fleecing. I mean, it was kind of, of like a rocket situation where Oladipo needed to be traded and everyone knew it, so his value plummeted because the Sabres get nothing for keeping Taylor Hall because he was going to get traded eventually, and the sooner the better. So the Bruins get some huge pieces in a cup run. Will Taylor Hall stay there for longer than a season? Who knows at this point? He's kind of just been kicked around the curb. And then next, the Devils and Islanders are a trade. Devils trade away longtime, huge leader for the organization, Travis Zajac, and Jersey boy, Kyle Palmieri. And in return, the Devils got A.J. Greer, Mason Yopst, a first-round pick, and a conditional pick. Devils got fleeced here. The one first-rounder is nice, but A.J. Greer and Mason Yopst are just AHL players. Sad to see Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac leave just for some AHL benders at that point. And then the Leafs, this is another trade that I really thought was interesting. They traded for David Riddich for a 2022 third rounder, 
Um, Freddie Anderson's health has kind of been in question. And so with Jack Campbell, they want to pair David Riddich with for their playoff run. That's pretty interesting. It kind of tells me that Freddie Anderson might not be good to go for the playoffs, but they have a lot of faith in Jack Campbell. Uh, trade deadline ends today. We are filming this on, what day is it? Monday? Monday. Today's Monday. We're filming this at 148, so there might be more trades going on, but those are the trades that interested me that have already taken place. Of course. Of course. Me too. I was just as interested, actually, in all this. Hey, man, you're devils. My devils. Taking devils on social media, but not in the trade market. For those that don't know, I'm not like actually a Devils fan. I just say I am because that's I the think only NHL game. I think they probably picked up on that. Yeah, Town's um, been a one NHL game. I mean, I feel like if you had to pick one, you'd pick them, but you just aren't Yeah, really it's the same league. thing. It's like it's like if I had to pick a college basketball team, I'd pick KU because I've just ended up watching them the most, but yeah, I, I'm for not sure. actually going to pick them. Nate, I had a family member come over last night and they saw your jersey and they're like, who's that? And I was like, oh, it was my buddy Nate's. And they're like, you. <laughs> I was like, ouch. Who, who was it? Uh, my brother-in-law. Which one? Cody. Cody sounds like a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're going to get into, into our amazing interview with Chris Parker. Here it is. Welcome, Chris Parker, A-Sun Conference Champion, March Madness Contestant, 2020 GAC Tournament MVP, and most importantly, now front of the program. Thanks for, thanks for coming on, Chris. Yeah, man, really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for, for having me. So to start it off, um, just like a little icebreaker question. Do you have any pregame rituals that you've had, you know, along the years? And then what kind of music do you listen to before a game? Uh, pregame rituals, probably not too many. I mean, uh, I got to go to the bathroom before every game. That's the only thing I have to do. <laughs> and uh, music. It just depends on my mood. Uh, yeah, it depends on my mood, probably. I listen to a lot of, like, if, if it's a game, I feel like I need to calm down a little bit. I might listen to a little a little Drake or something. But then, like, if I feel like I got to get going, I might listen to, you know, G Herbo, like, a little bit of, like, uh, Young Boy, like, just some stuff that's going to get me riled up a little bit more. But uh, that's probably about the music I listen to. I listen to a lot of music, though, so I could probably name 100 artists I listen to before games. Do you got any playlists? Oh yeah, I got I got plenty. I got plenty. You know, I can sing in my Apple Music. I got plenty of playlists. You know, I listen to everybody. So sometimes I listen to like uh like dancing music too, cause I like I used to listen to it a lot last year, cause it just gave me like in a in a good free mood. Like just I can't really dance, but I you know feel like I'm dancing when I put the music on. <laughs> Hey, but you actually went dancing this year in March Madness. So obviously, you know, getting the biggest question out of the way, you got to go to the March Madness tournament, of course, uh, which is most basketball players' dreams Mm -hmm. come true. Even though it obviously didn't end the way you wanted to, probably. uh, How was the experience being inside the bubble overall? Yeah, it definitely didn't end how, you know, um, I wanted it to, for sure. I was, uh, me and my whole team were definitely upset how it played out. I feel like, we just didn't play our best basketball that day, but uh, felt like we couldn't won. But um, the overall experience was fun. You know, it was definitely different from the other March Madnesses. Like, uh, so I had a couple teammates that played and it two years ago, and it was just different. Like, we, play, we stayed at the, the Marriott, the JW Marriott downtown, and, like, everything was, like, just connected to um, basically, like, we practiced in the convention center, 
And then all the locations to play the games is like right downtown. So wasn't allowed to leave the hotel, wasn't allowed to do anything. So it was a real bubble kind of. And uh, but it was fun, though. You know, you didn't have a lot of time to do much like downtown, like my parents, my mom came, my friends came. I wasn't able to see them. Like that's one bad thing, probably. But besides that, it was a pretty good experience. Yeah. So did they have any like, you know, games or like rec rooms or anything? Because I'd imagine you guys weren't just like practicing the whole time. Oh, uh, yeah. No, nah, they really didn't have much of that, actually. Now that you ask about it, they they gave us like we was in jail or something. They gave us outdoor time <laughs> uh, at, at the baseball field for like an hour. Like you had to schedule outdoor time with your team. So we did. Uh, I actually didn't go out there. I'm not an outdoor person. Cause I, I really just played a video game. So I brought my, my game. I just played the game all day. But, uh, besides that, we didn't really have many activities. It was just kind of film practice and chill for the rest of the days, media sometimes and, uh, eat. That was about it. It was really kind of chill, but I, I'm, I like that cause I don't really do much anyway. So I was, you know, have your own room, just play the game all day. Yeah, for sure. What are your go-to games? Like, you a 2K guy or what? Yeah, 2K and uh, FIFA. You know, that's my two, my two games. So I play those all day, all day. Sweet. Fair enough. So to touch on the game a little bit, um, obviously you played Oklahoma State. Uh, what was kind of the vibe heading into the game? Were your coaches hyped up or were the players just kind of like quiet and reserved, like ready for the game? Like, I guess, what was just kind of the atmosphere um, heading into it? Because it's really interesting. Like, what does a team do when they're heading into a March Madness mm-hmm. tournament? Well, our team is really confident. Like, our coaches, uh, every, our players, even though we're like a mid-major, we was the 13th seed, we, uh, they don't, my team, we don't really act like that. Like, um, a lot of teams probably just like, we're, we're grateful for the opportunity. We was, but uh, we didn't really see it as like, oh, it's this. saw that's like uh this is another a lot of teams don't expect to win when they go there and uh, we actually like expected like so when we lost it was really like we was Oklahoma State like we felt like we was the the top seed and and we wasn't supposed to lose so I would say that's probably the, the mood going into it like everybody was really confident like if you ask anybody everybody felt like we was gonna win and a lot of people would say that you know but uh I don't think that's really true and with a lot of teams they go into games not really thinking they have a chance so we was really confident going into the game. Felt like our game plan was was good. We just just didn't execute as well. Yeah, that's really interesting because like us as sports fans, we do these brackets every year, and we're like, okay, this is the lower seeded team. It's like a fifteen against a two. Obviously, they know they're not going to win type thing, but you know the team probably doesn't want to think they're mm-hmm. not going to win when they're heading into that. So yeah. I could see where you guys would have all the confidence in the back world. And forth. And that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so obviously the whole world kind of shut down last March, but I'm sure the feeling must have been, uh, different for you with the trip to the NCAA tournament with, uh, Henderson, right? What was kind of your reaction to that situation when it happened? Cause I know everyone kind of felt different about mm-hmm. it, but. Yeah, uh, it was, it was definitely a little heartbreaking, you know, because put all that work in and, uh, basically you know you're about to go to the national tournament and it's just it's just ended like that so i think everybody kind of had mixed emotions 
Um, especially, I, I feel they really didn't have – that was their last chance. Like, for me, it wasn't as bad because uh, that was my first year going to the national tournament, which I was really disappointed not being able to go. But at the same time, I was kind of used to it. We already just won a championship, and uh, I know I had another year. So it didn't hit me as bad as it probably hit the seniors. But um, I'd be able to go. Yeah, for sure. So uh, obviously, you know, you got to kind of play during COVID, kind of this historical March Madness tournament. Uh, what was life kind of like during that? Um, were mm-hmm. there like certain heavy protocols in place? I know you said that you couldn't really obviously leave the bubble that much, but within the bubble, was there a different like operating procedure than what you're used to on a game day? Yeah, yeah shoot around, just being a different place. Interesting, because, you know, from like a fan perspective, we almost think like, oh, you know, they're probably doing the super harsh stuff. But if you're in a bubble, you probably don't have to do too much of that. Yeah, yeah. No, it wasn't bad. It was pretty relaxing, pretty simple for the process, for sure. All right. Uh, Well, uh, obviously, being the son of a long tenured former uh, NBA assistant coach. Uh, what was some of the experience growing up in that world? Do you think it helped prepare you at all to become the player you were today, just being in locker rooms and things like that? Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely a big blessing for me in my life because, you know, just growing up around, even just growing around my dad, even if I had a, you know, uh, uh, experience in the game that he really is, is just pick a lot from him. And then he was really like a point guard coach. So, like, he coached, um, like, Nash and um, Coach Nash and Chris Paul, you know, players like that. So, those are a lot of players that are, you know, kind of um, right up my alley that I can learn a lot from. So, just being around that definitely helped. And then I think just the experience, like, being able to see the highest level uh, at a young age kind of made me dream to that level and made me kind of always uh, look up to that level. Like, I didn't. A lot of people kind of maybe grew up watching high school basketball. Uh, that's what they was around because their brother or something. I was around like NBA basketball. So I think uh, just seeing the highest level at a young age really helped me grow and helped me kind of see what the standard is uh, at an early age. Uh, it's funny you actually mentioned Chris Paul because we saw on Twitter how you retweeted something about Chris Paul proving the haters wrong. Uh, we were just curious uh, obviously, with your dad being part of Chris Paul's development, uh, did you ever get to go meet Chris Paul? Kind of have any experience with him at all? Uh, just be able to see his development at all? I used to my dad used to work out with him. I used to always kind of go around him and just uh, work out with him. I used to guard him in his workouts, like that's kind of like a little practice dummy. So I definitely had a lot of experience uh, around him and stuff. You take any of his moves? I thought it's tripping. Um, a little bit, a little bit. He kind of, I, I really like my mid-range game and he, he's big on mid-range too. So that's something that, uh, that I really, you know, kind of took from him that people don't really like the mid-range game. Now, you know, analytics tell them it's bad, but, yeah. uh, that's big something I took from him. He's still making. Yeah. Yeah. So they, he's still doing, it. I watched him against Utah last night. He's still doing it. So. Facts. And would you, would I you say that, him. uh, oh, sorry, sorry. You going? No, no, go ahead. I'm fine. Okay. Uh, would you say that, like, you kind of grew up rooting for him in a sense? Like, do you kind of root for him on the Suns or Thunder mm-hmm. or wherever he goes? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's definitely been my favorite player growing up. Just 
I'm CP, CP kind of just, that was my first favorite player kind of after like Dirk and them in Dallas, but like, now that's always been kind of my favorite player. Everybody kind of knows that. So like Chris Paul, my guy for sure. That's dope. I didn't even think about that. That's a cool CP, CP connection right there. Dude, that is, that is a cool CP yeah. connection. Yeah, we got CP1 and CP3. There you go. So we saw that recently you participated in the 3x3U championship with the Sons of Anarchy, which I kind of understand is like a group of guys from your conference. What exactly is that tournament like for all those who don't know? Uh, it was a good experience. Uh, it was definitely um, something different. Like playing 3-on-3 three three is a uh, different game than 5-on-5, five five, which I learned. Like that was uh, something that me and my teammates had to adjust to. Like it's different not having any help. Uh, quick game, 12-second clock. It's a lot different than we played at Liberty. So I think that's probably why we didn't win as many games as we should have because we literally just played a whole different style two weeks ago. We played a lot of people that have been playing pro and just kind of been playing more of that open gym type game. So I think that uh, that was one adjustment. But besides that, it was a fun experience. It's a really uh, well-run event. Um, a lot of good players was there, a lot of money involved. So uh, – it was it was fun and uh, like if anybody else like gets invited to it, I definitely take that chance because that's a good um, it was a good experience. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, probably having less guys, you have to move a lot more more movement. I'm sure. Um, but actually, we saw a video on Twitter. Mm-hmm from the three by three championship and uh we wouldn't want to be the media guys to ask you about your experience mm-hmm. playing against Cade Cunningham or anything we don't want to be like those guys yeah yeah <laughs> yeah they, everybody asked that question even when I was in the bubble they was asking that every like Michael Jordan ain't he? <laughs> everybody asked that question so I was just we used to the question now <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, people probably like, oh, well, you get to hang out with them in the bubble then, right? <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, they, they, you know how you know how people are, they, you know. Yeah, just goofy questions like that. I uh, also heard from that video, you got some cash to blow through now, and you were taking your girl on a vacation. Where'd you end up taking her? Yeah, we, we're going to, uh, we leave, actually Monday. And we're going to uh, Mexico. Oh, fun. Yeah, so we go out there to Mexico, flying into Cancun. So that should be fun. You know, that's a little birthday, my birthday next week. So it's going to be a little birthday celebration slash end of the season vacation. I don't know. I need a vacation. Though. It, should be, it should be fun. That's yeah, awesome, man. You've been playing, using all this time to play basketball and stuff. I'm sure you just want a big break. Yeah. Yeah, just with COVID and stuff, just – can't really do much, can't see many people. So, yeah, it's definitely going to be fun. Yeah, for sure. So I saw on Twitter that you had a lot of people reach out to you and just show their appreciation for you spending your last year of college eligibility at Liberty, including I saw an awesome surprise that Liberty did for you guys where they told you you were just going for a random interview and all your family and friends mm-hmm. FaceTimed you. What, what was your thoughts going through that video, like hearing all these people congratulate you and, and uh, celebrate your success? It definitely made me a little emotional uh, just seeing everybody because I know my dad's overseas. So I had he was like the first person on the video and then like my mom and stuff. So it was actually really something that I enjoy. Like, I think like for me, like 
the biggest things in my life, like family and like, so like when my family celebrates me, it's kind of like, uh, it's a good feeling, you know, like when I graduated from high school and stuff like, like little things like that, uh, I feel like a real, uh, it just big time, like you can't really uh, ask for anything more, you know, if everybody uh, around you appreciates you and, uh, you know, supports you and stuff, that was the biggest thing for me. So transferring from D2, what really made you want to play for Liberty? Uh, my main thing was just I wanted to win. Like, I just came back from uh, winning the championship. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, all I want to do is win now. So, you know, I'm just going to go to a team that gives me the best chance to win and make the tournament. And out of most of the schools that recruited me, Liberty, there's some other good teams too, obviously. But Liberty was – uh. I felt like the best chance and best opportunity for me to win. So, um, and the coach, uh, Coach McKay, he's a great guy, did a good job recruiting me. I believed in him and his vision for me and even how he can help me after, like, even though it's just one year. So, yeah, I felt like it was a no-brainer for me to go with Liberty. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, congratulations on your college success. So, throughout our research, we saw that you have a – clothing brand called man on god's plan which we think was awesome yeah um so beyond you know being the next nike or adidas what's next for you (laughs) um yeah i'm definitely that's my brand's gonna keep going but uh just uh about to sign uh with an agent and um kind of go from there just see what i can do hopefully there's some opportunities this summer maybe a summer league if they have it and stuff and just see where I can fit in and just, uh, and, you know, make my way as a pro. I'm excited for the, for the future and, you know, what, what's in front of me. So hopefully it all works out. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, we hope the best for you. Uh, thank you for spending some time with us today. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, no, I appreciate it. You know, really good podcast and interview. I appreciate that. Yeah, we appreciate that too, Thanks, man. man. Thank really you. appreciate you being on. Yes, sir. Yeah. All right. Really appreciate it. Looking hey, well, if you're ever in it. Kansas yeah. City, uh, you should hit us up. Well, if you want to boost that confidence a little bit, you should play against us sometime. <laughs> yeah, because we're not very good. <laughs> yeah, short we white in dudes Kansas City earlier fun. in the year. <laughs> oh, for real? Uh, did you guys uh, yeah, play we, UMKC we play. or? No, we played at the is it the Verizon the, the Verizon is it the Verizon Arena. I think it's like the big it, it was it was sprint center. T-Mobile, T-Mobile. 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 Mm-hmm. Oh, T-Mobile. Yeah, we played there. That's when we, I think we played TCU in uh, South Carolina. It was like oh, in sweet. a little showcase thing. Nice. Yeah, so that was my first time in Kansas City. Did you get some so, barbecue? It's nice out there, though. Yeah, they got us some. I don't know where <laughs> it was from, though, but they got us some. Because it's like you have to get some if you come out here. <laughs> That's like our one like, thing. It was pretty good, <laughs> too. I don't, I don't, I don't, yeah. <laughs> And y'all got the the Big Twelve or the Hall of Fame or something out there too, right? I don't know. Yes, sir. Baseball do. Hall of Fame. Like, yeah. I don't know. Something like no, that. We, no, we have the college baseball. Oh, okay, something oh, like that. Shoot. Yeah, it's like connected to the arena, I think. Yeah. Or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's dope. I didn't even know that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in Kansas City, <laughs> and I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Now that you guys have listened to that awesome interview from Chris Parker, which big thanks to him for coming on. Appreciated it a ton. Awesome guy. And now he's in front of the program, too. Super cool guy. Super cool. He was super chill. Uh, battled through some internet issues, but all around. They probably didn't see those, but... We got uh, through it. We did get through it. 
So now we're on to the Godzilla vs. Kong review, movie of the year. Everybody was looking forward to this. It was really like, I would say, like the first return to theaters for most people. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the whole return of theaters has kind of been like, oh, you know, what's it going to be like? You know, when are we going to see it? I think Kong versus Godzilla is like the first time we're really seeing it because... One, it's a real, it's, it's it's just a pure action movie that I feel like you have to be in the theaters to actually enjoy. I yeah. feel like if I just watched that at home, I'd be like, this sucked. Yeah, on some, we're not going to name them streaming service. Um, but like, yeah, the like 50 foot versus, <laughs> uh, versus like the like two feet tall. It's just not even, yeah, it's not, not the even same. the same. But I need to see Big Monkey versus Big Lizard on big screen. And That's- we saw Big Monkey versus Big Lizard on big screen. Yeah, exactly. And it was amazing. So the way we're going to do these reviews from now on, because we're going to start reviewing more movies coming up because Miller Theaters is such a great sponsor and lets us watch movies there for free. Yep. Well, and, you know, we're getting to the time where off season's creeping up. You know, we have the drafts coming up. Um, we also I mean, we already had like NFL free agency. We're going to have like NBA playoffs. But I mean, hey, we're going to need some you know filler over the summer and a lot of movie reviews and some food reviews coming up. So a lot of exciting stuff to look forward to. So our first one is Godzilla vs. Kong review for Miller theaters. So we will start it off with a plot grade. So when I say grades, we're going to grade them on a scale from one to 10. And then we are going to average it up from a score out of a hundred at the end. So we'll be able to kind of compare movies towards the end of the year. And we can kind of talk about which ones we like the most, maybe at some point or something. Yeah, We're basically going to be the Oscars. Yeah. Yeah. We're better than the Oscars. Actually. We're the Oscars, but for like normal dudes who like sports. Probably the same amount of people watch the Oscars as listen to us. So, I mean, I'd say so. Yeah. I mean, we're going to talk about movies that you actually seen, though. We're not going to be like the Oscars and talk about like some random movie that no one watched. Yeah, like Sundance Festival, Riverdance, like, whatever. On. No one cares. All right, but we're going to start off with the plot. So, well, here, it kind of goes without saying, but spoiler alert. That's yeah, just, okay, yeah. Spoiler yeah. Big spoiler. figure that one out. Um, this is a spoiler review. So, you if you to- haven't listened, skip ahead to the yeah, time spot. Talon's going to insert in here later. Talon, if you're watching video, ready? Timestamp in right yep. there. But if you're not watching the video, then Talon is doing the timestamp here. Post edit Talon here. The the timestamp is 49 minutes. If you haven't already gone to 49 minutes, I really don't want to hear about how, oh my God, Talon, you spoiled the movie. Yeah, well, you had a verbal, you had a audio, you had all types of warnings. So here's your final chance. Skip to 49 minutes. If you don't want to hear it, then stay tuned to our review. So there's that. Bye. To say the least, like... They started off with saying, okay, so we need Kong to lead us to the hollow earth using his evolutionary genes. Now, I didn't mind that that much. I was like, yeah, okay, I can can see it. But like, so I liked the Kong side of the story also because, you know, big monkey who learned how to talk. That was sick, like big dub. But Godzilla's storyline was very underwhelming for me. Uh, I think Godzilla, it was kind of opposite of Kong because it kind of set him up more as like a human type figure because they even like let him communicate with the little girl a little bit. I feel like Godzilla was set up more as like a force of nature in this movie than he's kind of been. So he wasn't necessarily meant to be like a build up character. Did they do him kind of wrong in the movie? Definitely. But they kind of justified it towards the end where I wasn't like mad about how they used him. But it was still kind of like, eh. 
Um, obviously, I think if you watch the movie, most people sided with Kong over Godzilla, just like thematically. Yeah, I mean he, that's kind of what they want. He's more of a endearing person. Yeah, Godzilla is a giant lizard who can shoot lasers. Right, and that's just OP. But uh, I mean, we had some fantastic actors in this movie. I mean, Millie Bobby Brown. Uh, there was the kid from Deadpool, and they brought back a couple actors from the last few. Just some phenomenal actors that kind of got. Miss, yeah, mishandled. The plot, um, the plot was literally there to just guide the viewer on what is happening. To explain where they're fighting that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least there was the one with the little uh, tribe girl. She kind of had her little like plot with Godzilla, which I thought their story was really cool. Like, you know, she's the last member of her bil- village. Kong? Yeah, I said Kong. You said Godzilla. Oh, Kong. Uh, Dumbass. Little girl. um, She is the last member of her village. Kong is just trying to protect her for that reason. But, you know, even the people she was with, their story is okay. It's so insignificant. But if we're going to talk about the Millie Bobby Brown storyline, awful. I know they were just using her to set up the Apex Corporations by the end. So you're like, spoiler, oh, big giant robot Godzilla. We're going to use him. That's all she was there for. But if you watch the last few MonsterVerse movies, it was kind of just underwhelming from her. So I personally would give the plot two out of ten. I don't know about you guys. And the the huge like annoying part was when they were bringing him on the carriers over the water. And then, so me and Nate are sitting there like, first of all, we looked at each other and we're like, oh my God, Godzilla's going to come up. Yeah, why are, they, why are they transporting this and then, monkey over water where you know, because they know that Godzilla's you, coming for yeah. them immediately and they're traveling by water. Okay, then you're like, okay, well, maybe they can't fly. And then literally, they end up having to fly. So you had to, they sacrificed the whole logic of everything just to have the fight fight yeah which is like fine it was a cool fight it was a cool fight and that's what i'm there for but if we're talking about the plot that's the most annoying part i was like why didn't you just fly in the first place well then apex had like their lab that they were creating a thing to destroy godzilla in on the beach yeah like smart i know it's kind of hard to predict like godzilla would have just known but I don't know Why if you're it, if know, you're like in, in a mountain if you're in a world where Godzilla exists, I feel like you should expect the unexpected. See, I will say I think we're thinking about that a little too much because it's maybe. like Godzilla <laughs> movie. Maybe he needs to be on the beach for him to fight. I mean, yeah, but I will say it kind of annoyed me though when they were in Hollow Earth with Kong and Godzilla's you know atomic breath was able to uh, you know just drill through a thousand miles of Earth uh, in like two seconds. That yeah. was like the least like I was like so ready for that though. I was like, yeah. I, I just yeah I, I mean yeah it's kind of I guess but yeah so I give I, the plot a two out of ten I'm gonna rate it a four out of ten because I did like Kong's side of the story I'll give it I'll give it a three three okay Be so we'll go there. we'll go three out of ten then because we got we got average down here that's the average um all right so CGI we're not talking about the fighting yet just the CGI I thought this movie for what you expect out of a you know basically just giant cgi bash on the screen it's about as much as you could ask for i mean could there have been less not really for a movie like this so it's kind of hard to gauge it on like could they have used less cgi or practical no um i yeah. loved it i, I thought it looked phenomenal especially the boat scenes hong yeah kong. i thought all the colors in hong kong looked great i have no problem with cgi i'm gonna rate it nine nine out of ten no, I, I, would, I mean 10. i would give it a ten honestly like there's nothing there's nothing other there's no other reason 
there's nothing I sat there and said, mm, the problem with this movie is the CGI. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It wasn't that. Uh, next up, fighting. I think the fighting in this movie was spectacular. The way I need to look up the director's name because I don't want to discredit him, but Michael he Bay. did a fantastic job. The shots, this like just frame of reference in general, but like even the fights were like choreographed and you could see like they were punching each other. They had actual moves. You could see like, cause this was kind of a complaint in the older ones. I don't know if you guys have watched them, but it I was a couple. They said the problem was the, Everything was from the human perspective, so some things were blurry or hard to see, but that was on purpose. Yeah. But this movie, you just wanted to watch them fight. That's what everybody came here for. They did a fantastic job. Even Mecha Godzilla was phenomenal when he was on screen, just his different rocket booster moves and stuff. All the fighting felt really natural, mm-hmm. and like you could kind of see the moves and the counters kind of... You know, kind of come into fruition a little yeah. bit. And I f- it felt very real, so I would rate the fighting... I mean, like you guys said, like, it really doesn't leave me wanting more. I would have liked to see a little bit more change of scenery, honestly. Mm-hmm. That would be my one thing because like, we're kind of fighting in the city for a while. Um, I would just say – I'm going to say eight out, of ten, 8 out of 10. I would I would give it an 8 too just because yeah. I wanted a couple more I, – I th- wanted – I know that that's what those movies before are for, but like I wanted – a couple moments where I was like, damn, Kong, like, he didn't have enough moments where I was like, man, he just destroyed. Oh, wait, no, we need to talk about that, too. I'm sorry. King Kong got carried in this movie by the humans. He and did. I don't think enough people are talking about that because it is so annoying. And I understand Godzilla is so freaking OP. It's not even funny. But the amount of times that the humans were like, oh, let's bust out some missiles to get this monster off of Kong. Guys, come on. He kind of got carried. No, but see, Kong didn't have an advantage throughout the entire movie. He never fought in some of that he was used to. You know, he fought, one, in the open water, two, in a cityscape, which, like, yeah, that's a little bit better, but still, Kong has never fought there. I would have loved to see them fight, one, in that little, like, special Earth that they went to with, like, no gravity, like, that little, like, floating The Middle place. Earth, yeah. The Hollow Earth. Earth. That would have been sick. If they were, like, floating in the air and, like, punching each other, that would have been Oh, rough. no, dude, that would have um, I think it would have been a little bit better if they would have fought like, I don't know, like in a forest or something, you know, make it easier for the, the monkey that isn't OP and is not nuclear. Yeah. I don't know. I just like, I, I would have been okay if they even, cause you know how they like kind of threw him a bone whenever they went to hollow earth and there was like those dragons and he just like destroyed them in like two hits. I wanted, I would, I wish they threw him a more just like. Just animals that you those, knew he was going to destroy just to build up the... Even those, though, the humans shot rockets at the snake thing because yeah, it started to wrap facts. up around him. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. It just feels like he got helped out a little bit. I, I would have liked them build up the hypeness of them a little bit more. And to your point about But I know escape, that's also what the movies before these, them, yeah. like this movie was for, so... To your point about the scape, I actually like the city landscape a lot because you saw Kong kind of adapt. Like he pulled the skyscraper uh, round piece off the top. I, I don't know what they're t- called, but like there's one no, of the needles. Skyscraper round piece. Yeah, there you That's go. That's what it's called. He took it off. He like used it as a shield. It was really cool. He was like jumping between buildings and stuff, like dodging out of the way with them. So No, I agree. I think the cityscape was great. I mean, it was an awesome fighting location. Mm-hmm. I like just in terms of like strategy and, you know, who would do better where. Yeah. Kong had the disadvantage in both places, I feel. Also, I thought the like the the charge on Kong's hammer and how that affected the fighting scenes and how that kind of came into play, I thought that was kind of a cool little 
was it cool. was cool. That that was added on to the my biggest. Cool. That was my biggest issue. He needed the axe at all. Like, well, yeah, that's true. He and I understand that's the only way he could have competed, but it was just frustrating for somebody who he was had nerfed. Kong going in. Uh, yeah, here's my thing. I would have appreciated if he was bigger than Godzilla. And I know you don't want to do that, but at least give him like a little size so he has like a little meat on the guy. Because the only thing he's got is the punches. I mean, Godzilla's got like this freaking nuclear. Yeah, breath. it's just hard to make it anything fair at all when Godzilla one is a water being. So anything yeah. that has anything to do with water, it's over. Yeah. I think they should add a thing where Godzilla can't be out of the water for that long. I think that would have helped mm-hmm. Loki. Uh, and then, yeah, just like the laser beam out of his mouth kind of just trumps all. <laughs> yeah, when, just... Godzilla, when Kong has to be, like be right up on him to hit him or do anything, and then Godzilla just has this like unlimited range laser thing, mm-hmm. it's kind of just it's a given. So we're going to move on to the acting grade now. I was, we kind of talked about this mediocre. during the plot, but mediocre. they were not given great lines. Yeah, there was a nothing. lot of, um, I would say, just corny lines. We talked about that after the movie, just like super basic things you expect in a blockbuster movie. But it's almost overused because like, I even mentioned I was like, I was just counting them the whole time. Dude, there is there is a couple of lines where it was just the like the because whenever the Mecca the Mecca Godzilla came out and they were like, that's Godzilla. And then the kid was like, no, that's Mecca Godzilla. And I was, I looked at Nate instantly and I was like, that was cheesy thanks, as hell. Thanks for the that, that was so cheesy. Yeah, like I would have, I would rate it a four out of 10. Same as the, my plot rating, just cause it wasn't terrible and it wasn't really their, all their fault, but it was just so irrelevant to me. I'm going to have it one higher than the plot grade personally, just because I think they did, the best that they could with what they are given. Yeah, it's kind of it's the script, really. Like, I feel like the script impacted the acting more than the actual actors because they had good actors in there. Yeah, well, we uh, really Bobby Brown. I, I mean, yeah, phenomenal. I'd give it like a f- yeah four or five. Yeah. All right, what's the next one? Uh, entertainment. <laughs> oh, nine out of ten. Yeah, I would say I would say nine out. Of, I would go nine and a half out of ten. It was very I'll visually stimulating. So nine total. You know, and I, I really enjoyed that. Like we talked, we talked about the fights. We talked about the CGI. Everything just looked. Really this is what you're here for. You're here to just see if some crazy shit. If you went into it wanting just big monkey versus big lizard, that's what they gave you, and they knew what they were doing. Literally, the in, like the like introduction of the movie. Um, what's that? The title sequence is literally just like hyping them up. They even show a bracket. Oh yeah, they give it to like the sports fan. It was of like it. NCAA. It was amazing. Yeah, I was they like, showed Dude, Madness with monsters. That's tough. Yeah, and it just showed all of their past enemies eliminated, eliminated, yeah. and it really like hyped it up. Yeah, and so it was sick. The movie knew what it was, and they really. Yeah, that's, kissing, I mean, that's you know? what we're you know we're shitting on the plot and everything, but we didn't go there to watch a plot. We no, went, went there, to, there watch to watch big monkey, big monkey, big lizard fight. Yes, and then giant robo mecha lizard. In Japan, yeah. like a beautiful city. Uh, yeah. So is that the last one? Yep. So just to run over everything real quick before we give our final tally, we all had the plot grade at three out of ten, CGI nine out of ten, fighting eight out of ten, acting was four out of ten, and then entertainment was nine out of ten for a. Can we get a round of a? Sixty-six out of a hundred. Sixty-six out of a hundred. That all seems right. really low. It seems, but no, it's it's because it's it's a it's not. It's not like a, it's a, not a shallow movie, but there's not a lot of depth. It's, so, it's very surface it's, level. It's surface level and that's fine because it's a surface level movie. Like I, 
when we went to the movie theater a couple nights ago, I was like, I want to watch surface level. I'm not trying to think about life and the meaning of everything. I'm, I want to think about a giant monster fighting another giant monster. No, and that's what it 100%. was. And, you know, is it a movie that you can watch over and over and over again? Hell no. Probably not. It'd be, it would get sold. I'm not going to keep thinking about, oh, why did they do that? Why was that done? Like, I'm not going to... It's not going to keep me second thinking. The second time I watched it was when I watched it with you guys, and I was just nitpicking the hell out of it, oh, which yeah. I didn't do the first time. Yeah. Guess what? I just enjoyed it. But the second time I went in, I was like, yeah, that kind of bothers movie, me. The more you watch it, the less you're going to like it. So just go into it and be like, I want to just take some time, chill out, and watch some fights. Yeah. On a surface level, it's definitely 66 out of 100, but personally, I love this movie. I thought the action was awesome. The reveal at the end with Mechagodzilla was kind of obvious, and you saw it, it was, coming. It was predictable. But it was very predictable movie. It was still cool. Yeah. I will say, it's a little goofy whenever Godzilla started shooting the axe. I was like, is the axe Stormbreaker now, bro? Hey, man, I really, I really fucked with the axe. I mean, I <laughs> Just, and, just then, and then Kong started just going yam on that robot. It was sick. It was sick. It was sick. All right. So that was our very first movie review for Miller Theaters. Thank you, Miller Godzilla Theaters, for sponsoring this episode and hooking us up with the tickets. Yes, sir. Pro though, guys. It's a movie you got you got to watch on theaters. Like, like I highly recommend anybody who can safely go watch it in theaters because it just knowing what it was. It would have not been the same if we watched it in your living room with some cheap popcorn. It would have been the same. Yeah. All right. So we're going to move on to our top 25 under 25 review. And wow, this list is. This list is buns. It was from ESPN, right? Yes. And so what this list is, it is the top 25 players under 25 based on potential. So when we rate these players, we have to look about what they could be. Uh, quickly, I'm going to read off the list. And you guys can kind of just get your thoughts going, and then we'll really dive deep into it. 25, Colin Sexton. 24, Alonzo Ball. 23, Jared Allen. 22, John Collins. 21, Therese Halliburton. 20, DeAndre Ayton. 19, Anthony Edwards. 18, DeMontis Sabonis. 17, Mikel Bridges. 16, Trey Young. 15, John Morant. 14, Michael Porter Jr. 13, Jamal Murray. 12, Jalen Brown. 11, Brandon Ingram. 10, with Shea Gilgis-Alexander. 9, Bam Adebayo, 8, D-Book, 7, Ben Simmons, 6, De'Aaron Fox, 5, Jason Tatum, 4, Donovan Mitchell, 3, LaMelo Ball, 2, Zion, and then 1 is Luka. And then also, if you're watching the video, Talon will put list there. So you guys can kind of look at it. So obviously, there's some big names on this list, already some huge stars. And I think obviously the biggest question is LaMelo at 3. So if you were taking a franchise right now, you would take LaMelo third over the rest of these guys. What are your guys' thoughts on LaMelo's positioning on this list? It's a little high. <laughs> I think that's a fair thing to say. Um, it was a guy who was going to be rookie of the year, and I think everybody kind of universally agreed, hey, he's showing a lot more promise than we even thought out of him as a top three pick. So I think in terms of hype, it's fair, but... When you look at the rest of the list, you're comparing him to guys like Jason Tatum, Ben Simmons, Devin Booker, Luka, Zion. I just don't think he's quite there yet, and I don't think we've seen enough to be able to put yeah, him there. Yeah, it's like, do I see a world where his potential is that high? Absolutely. But it's just hard to be, you know, after a huge injury. It's just, yeah, he's a top three when all things go right. And in sports, that usually doesn't happen. 
So yeah, I see why, but it's hard to put him over, you know, the sustained success like of Jason Tatum. Ben Simmons for me. And I'm a, I'm kind of a Ben Simmons hater, and I think Ben Simmons is way too low on this list. I think seven is kind of ridiculous. There's no way I'm taking De'Aaron Fox over Ben Simmons. I'm sorry. I don't think De'Aaron Fox gets any better than he is now. I think Ben I think De'Aaron Fox is playing the best basketball of his life, and I don't see him getting any better than this. Well, if you even look at like seven, eight, nine, Ben Simmons, D book, bam, they're below Donovan Mitchell, De'Aaron Fox, LaMelo Ball. Like, guys, come on, at least There's above no them. You know, and I think Jason is way too low on this list. I think Jason should be number three. I, I think mean, so, too. Yeah. Well, so what they did is they took the scores of three analysts, and one of the analysts had Jason at 13. Wow. Like, so he just hates the Celtics? Must be a I, Lakers I fan. There's nothing, even as a Lakers fan, I don't know, there's nothing you can say about Jason Tatum that he hasn't, like, he's, first of all, he was the best player on a playoff team, and they almost beat LeBron in game seven to go to the finals. That would have been as a rookie. And then, I don't know. What, what has Donovan Mitchell shown over Jason Tatum? Not much. Not, not in the regular season, not in the playoffs. There's nothing that, and I like LaMelo, but he's not, his ceiling is not better than Jason Tatum's ceiling right now. Jason Tatum's ceiling is best player on championship team. Oh, for sure. And LaMelo's might be, but Jason Tatum's jump from best player to where he is from where he is now. It's like here to here. LaMelo's is like here to here. Like there's just so much more that LaMelo has to do that it's just more likely that Jason Tatum becomes that kind of guy. And then another huge talking point that I see on this list is Trey Young and the amount of disrespect. One, he's gotten all year and then two on this list. I was about to mention He is 16 on this list. Yeah. John Moran is not a better player than Trey Young, nor is his potential better. Michael Porter Jr. So that's ridiculous. That's guys, absolutely. Jamal Murray. It's not what what they can be in a perfect world. It's a projection. Like sure, Michael Porter Jr. without injuries, without this, without that. I will say the one defense to Trey being this low would be the defense portion, which is fair. But, but I, I mean, I know De'Aaron Fox ain't playing defense like that. Yeah, he's at. I six, know Jamal Murray so. ain't playing defense like that. And Luca's at one. <laughs> so I know I know Lamelo Ball is not playing defense like that. I mean, his defense is all right. Cause he's good at passing. I think lanes, the but. top three guys on this list, even you can go top four, top five, should be possible MVP candidates in the future. Trey yeah. Young is that guy for me. Interesting. Trey Young, if I mean, and this year his stats are down, but you know what isn't down? Winning. They're actually winning this year. And he's still averaging like twenty nine, yeah. or he's still averaging twenty five and almost ten. He's averaging nine and a half assists a game. That's a great season on a team that's they're not and they're not like a crappy East team anymore. They're twenty nine and twenty five. That's a good team. The problem with Trey Young also was I think his inability to be a big team player. But I feel like their new head coach has really helps with that problem a lot. And because obviously they're winning games now, so you, you know what is going to hurt Trey Young for the rest of his career, no matter what he does. Luca getting traded for Luca getting yeah. Trey Young getting traded for Luca. Obviously, that's the thing is for our entire career, we're going to go, well, you could add Luca. Trey Young's never going to be better than Luca, but <laughs> he's still really good. But it's he's that's always going to haunt him. And it's really sad because he's a he's like a 20 year old. How old is Trey Young? 20, 21. I was going to say it might be older than 20, but let me look that up real quick. Trey Young. Google. It's actually bang. 20, he's 22 years old. He has started an all-star game, and he's averaging 25 and nearly 10 on a four seed in the East. I think he's going to be one of the best the, point guards in the league. Like, what are we talking about, oh, guys? 
He's he's amazing at 22 years old. Because Trevor Lawrence is like 22. <laughs> he's not even in the NFL. Give give Trey Young some time. His defense will never be that good, but neither will Luka's. And Zion's defense isn't really that good, and his could be way better. Who, yeah, who on this list is even good at defense? Like young guys, besides like Ben Simmons. Ben, I was gonna say Ben Simmons, maybe Jason, maybe. <laughs> Jason's not even like not like that. He's, I mean, he's all right. But there's a couple of guys like Bam Adebayo can play some defense, like Jalen Brown. But Jalen Brown, yeah. Most of these young players aren't good defenders because you, yeah, you learn that. You learn that over time, and you know, for players like Trey Young. It it's okay. Well, I'm not going to be able to clamp somebody up one on one, but maybe get better in those passing lanes. Do a little bit better off the ball. But there's no no reason Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, even Jalen Brown should be ahead of Trey Young, Shea Gil- Shea Gildress Alexander. I love Shea, but he's not over Trey Young. He Trey Young started the All Star game last year. Bam Adebayo hasn't done that. Shea hasn't done that. Damn near every single player on this list hasn't done that. Zion hasn't done that. And I'm not saying he should be above Zion, but he definitely should be higher than 16. I don't know. This no, I, I, I completely list. agree. I think it's the travesty. Blasphemy. And also, there's a, two, there's a couple more talking points that I see here. Um, no love for a couple bigs later in the list, like DeAndre Aiden and Domantas Sabonis. Two young bigs that already have great potential. Domantas Sabonis has already made two all-star games. And to put them at 18 and 20 kind of feels blasphemous. It kind of just feels like you're put, you're just picking guards over them. You're going to pick Mikel Bridges over DeAndre and Aiden and Anthony Edwards? Yeah, that was, and that was my big thing. Mikel Bridges is 17. Look, I love Mikel Bridges. He is an amazing 3 and D player right now. And yeah, do I see him taking a leap in his career? Absolutely. But there's no way he's going to be over DeMontis Sabonis, Anthony Edwards, DeAndre Aiden, and Tyrese Halliburton. And Lonzo Ball and Colin Sexton. He's not better than a lot of those players right now. And those players that are better right now have a better ceiling. Yeah. Well, so what are you going off of on this you're, list? You tell me right now you'd rather have Mikel Bridges over DeAndre Ayton. Or are you going to tell me in five years you'd rather have? No, yeah. you're not. <laughs> like, that's just not happening. No, that's pretty blasphemous. Overall, I think the list is. Whew. Wow. People get paid for this. Some of them I agree with. And like they got the top two, right? Yeah. That was about it. The top two being right. But that was the sad. easiest thing ever. I wish that one guy's list who had Jason Tatum at 13. I would love to because I just, I people, been, people overthink this shit, dude. People overthink it. Like, I'm sorry. And I kind of get the like LaMelo versus Donovan thing because Donovan Mitchell, I think we all know, never will be the best player in the NBA, like that caliber of player, top five. But LaMelo has a chance. So you're going for like highest ceiling in the room kind of thing. Yeah, I'm, but also, I'd rather have Ben Simmons and D Fox over Donovan. And D Fox, yeah. Because I don't think Donovan gets any better than what he is right now. Yeah, and that's fine. He's a great he's, player. He's a great player. Amazing. I love Donovan Mitchell. But I see those guys being able to take other steps to get better than D, um, yeah. My thing with Ben Simmons though is like we've we've I've uh, I'm a huge Ben Simmons fan and I've said this for years. It's like he'll get better eventually, and I still think even if he is who he is right now for the rest of his career, he'll always be an amazing player because he's a great could be defensive player of the year. He's a great defensive player. He's a great player in transition. You know he can grab the rebound, go make a Magic Johnson style pass. So he's a great player. 
It's just I've been saying for four years now, oh, he's going to get better. He's going to get better. And he's just kind of been the same player. See, it's interesting, though, because if he had an at least half-decent three-point shot, then we'd have a completely different yeah, opinion on Ben absolutely. And if your one thing in the NBA is not having a good three-point shot, that's my least concern, especially if you're a young guy. Because, I mean, LeBron hasn't always been a three-point shooter, but now he's cold. If Blake Griffin can learn how to shoot threes... I think it, it, all it takes is for like one off season where he just works and works. And, and that's what Blake Griffin and did. a coach that wants to teach him. And now he has that. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's concerning because you, you, you with the team that they have now, somebody has to learn how to take the three point shots. And that's been their center. So that's my only problem with Ben Simmons It's like you're forcing your center to not play like a dominant center. That's kind but also, of, I think Ben Simmons would thrive in a better location than Philly. Uh, yeah, I think if... If you take away Joel, I think Ben Simmons is... Put... So, whenever, whenever Mike D'Antoni surrounded James Harden with all shooters, give Ben Simmons that kind of treatment. Get all shooters, Mike D'Antoni as a coach. I think you'd, you'd see a different Ben Simmons. Just build um, a team around Ben Simmons, because like, I, if you put the right guys around him, they could be a finals contender. That's why before the season, I thought I said they would trade Joel over Ben Simmons. And I still think that might be true. Now, with Joel not winning the MVP because he missed so many games, but he would have been. <laughs> it's kind of well, hard to do that you now. Know, when it comes to building a franchise, you really want players that can make other players better. And Ben Simmons' passing yeah. ability and defensive ability really does that. Donovan Mitchell doesn't. Even Joel Embiid doesn't. No, I don't doesn't. think Joel Embiid makes like a wing player better. No. But Ben Simmons, you can get him open. You could maybe make the argument like he draws somebody double team. That's what I was about to say. That'd be the only thing is like, but, he's that, just but so you can say about any player. Yeah. Like, oh, double team, move the ball. But Ben Simmons will directly yeah. give them open shots. His impact is very clear to see. Um, I mean, the list, it's not absolutely terrible. Like, they got most of it right. There's just a couple where I'm just like, there's a couple questionable ones. Like, Trey Young should be. Should be nine. Colin Sexton's a little low too. Hey, I agree. Colin, I Sexton, Colin Sexton below Lonzo love. Ball. Has no. Lonzo shown you anything to like? Lonzo has improved his. I mean, Lonzo is actually a shooter now, so like he's improved. But Colin Sexton's still balling out. What's he averaging? Uh, more than Lonzo, probably. Well, I Colin know Sexton's balling out on the Cavs, so that's pretty. That's pretty hard to do. Yeah, I don't know. I I think Colin Sexton's getting a little little gypped here. He's averaging he's averaging twenty four a game. What are we talking about? Is I he, get I get that he's on the Cavs and it could be like empty numbers, but you know who else is on a bad team? Lonzo Ball. I think the one thing about Colin Sexton is the assist. He only has four. Yeah, I think but, that's the one questionable part of his and game. Y- yeah, it's definitely something to mention when you're talking about Colin Sexton versus Zion Williamson, but when you're talking about him versus Lonzo, who's averaging like 15 a game. Yeah, no, for sure. All right, we're going to move on to the NBA stock market. First up, I am going to buy the East. The East had a pretty good week this week. Right now, all those teams that are fighting for playoff positioning are really winning, except the Hornets, who have lost one in a row. But you have the Pacers with a three-game win streak. The Knicks have won two in a row. The Celtics have won three in a row. The Heat have won two in a row. The Hawks have won two in a row. Also, remember, we're filming this at Monday at 2.23. So that could change tonight. I'm not sure. But right now, the East is kind of balling. So good for the East. Because it's been looking pretty down bad. It was looking like we're going to get a lot of like under 500 teams. Which that'd be a yeah, joke Yeah, thank the God. I, I was not trying to see some 500 team be the four seed. So good job, East. I'm proud of you guys. Nice. And then I'm selling Pascal Siakam in the clutch. Uh, Knicks-Raptors game. 
Pascal leading the fast break to potentially tie the game. They're down by two, like 10 seconds to go. And he double dribbles. Pascal, you goofball. Dude is the most sporadic player I've ever seen. I saw some stuff about how he was trying to go for like a spin move, but like at the same time. Of course. He he always goes to the spin move. No, dude, that was was atrocious. That was so (sighs) bad. The Raptors are so weird. They are 21 and 33, but they've had two games this season where they absolutely destroy the Cavs and the Warriors. That's just kind of weird. Like, how can you be so good for two games of the season and then be 21 and 33? I'm not sure. I mean, I guess play crappy teams. That's probably that's probably it, Talon, but I don't know. That's still weird to me. So I'm selling Pascal in the clutch because, you know, I don't want my clutch player to, player to double dribble. That's like... That's like a third grader move is to double dribble the ball and then be like, wait, I didn't know. That's I didn't know that was a rule. Dude, how do you double dribble? You're an NBA, NBA player <laughs> in the clutch. I don't think I've ever done That's it. almost as bad as Brennan, Brennan Knight smoking the layup. Smoking the layup. Because he got the layup. Because at least he was like, hey, I know how to do fundamental basketball. He just didn't do it right. Yeah. Pascal couldn't even dribble the ball. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that one. And I'm also selling the Bulls. You know, after that big Vooch trade, you know, I was like, oh, dude, they're finally going to be good. Well, they're not. They're no. really not. They've lost two in a row. Yeah, they have a couple wins here and there, but it's against the Raptors and the Pacers. And the Pacers were missing, I think, they were missing Demonthus Sabonis. And they did beat the Nets. But overall, they're still garbage. I mean, they're 3-7 and seven in the last 10. They're eight games under five hundred. I don't see that Vooch trade actually having value this year. Not this year. Maybe next year. Maybe next but year. But right now, it's yeah, it's not looking too good. But I'm selling them because I actually really thought they were going to be a playoff contender. Like, yeah, legit, have, yeah. and they're eight games under. They have good talent. I don't know why. I don't know why they're not in it. It was just a little bit too late. Like, yeah. Short in season, the trade deadline, you only really have 30 games to get going. That's true. Yeah. And 30 games is kind of hard to make up an eight-game under 500. So... so yeah. For my buy this week, I am buying Donovan Mitchell for an MVP candidate. Before everybody comes at me, candidate, not MVP, candidate. Okay, glad we got that Wait, out of the way. You said he was the MVP of the league? Yeah, that's so what So you're I said. saying Donovan Mitchell's the GOAT? Yes, actually. After we just shit on him for like five minutes. Yeah, that's talked about. Um, so, quick story. We were at Buffalo Wild Wings the other night, and we were kind of talking about basketball, as you know, sports guys do. Um, I was like, hey, guys, why isn't Donovan Mitchell like considered an MVP candidate? You guys are kind of like, oh, it's just, you know, nobody on that team is really like stands out. They kind of play good team basketball. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And then Nate kind of pulled up his stats and he was like, Jesus Christ. OK, he's got 42, 37 in his last game and then 41 right before that. Uh, his field goal percentage has been 56, 45, uh, 72 against the Magic. So he's had some games and then uh, I was kind of like, dang, you really should be a candidate at least if, you know, Dame Lillard is number two. Um, And then we get home and I got a notification from Bleacher Report that said MVP chance from jazz fans in the stands. I was like, yep, this is uh, this is where it starts for the media. I think it's time that we at least give it consideration. Yeah, because I mean, you know, the the list has gotten really thin, guys. So saying Donovan Mitchell for MVP when he's averaging 26 points a game, he's got five boards, five assists, and he's playing for the number one seed in the West right now, who is like destroying teams. Yeah, it, it makes sense. He's the best player on the best team. And I think now you're starting to see him 
really be the guy a little bit more. You know, I think early on in the year when I checked his stats, at least last time I know, he was averaging more around like 24 points, 23. And that's like, okay. But now that he's up to 26, he's been falling in the last couple of games. I think it's time to at least give it a thought. Yeah, and I mean, we're coming down the home stretch. This is when I personally think people should really start considering who the actual MVP is. Um, in these last 20 games or so, if they go on a run, Donovan starts averaging like 30 a game. Why not? I, who else are they going to give it to? Jokic? Dame? Yes, who are actually. on way worse teams, by the way. Keep, if he keeps increasing and he keeps on this pace, I think if he gets to 28 points a game... He's going to need to get up to 28. Because I think 28's the bare minimum for at least a sniff. Because right now... The thing, if, if the season ended right now, his stats are 26 points a game, but also Zion Williamson is averaging more points, barely, more rebounds, better field goal percentage, and that's Zion Williamson. But... Don Mitchell has been on a tear. So if he keeps on this, like, obviously not 40 points a game or anything, but if he brings it up to 28 points per game, it's hard to ignore 28 point per game score. Best player on the best, by far the best team in the league. That's how Giannis is beginning the MVP awards. So, I mean, that's a formula, but he's going to need to have a, and then I think Quite if you, I think he needs to get up to 28 and then increase his rebounding a little bit. He's at four and a half. I think if he can hit five, so then you can say 28, five and five, that feels better to me at least. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, just, it's just, it's hard when, you know, you're averaging 26, four and a half and five when Jokic is averaging 20, like what, like 28 and almost triple double 28, 11 and eight, something like that. So With it's like 50, 40, uh, 90. I really need just more stats. Yeah. You, you, I don't you're going to need, stats, I just need more stats. Yeah. More of them. More, I just need more of them. All yeah. the stats. So, I mean, yeah, if he keeps it up, he'll definitely be put in the conversation, considering how weak the the conversation is right now. Donovan Mitchell is my buy for MVP candidate, and I am selling the Knicks. Not the Knicks. Knicks are good. Nuggets in the fourth quarter. They played the Celtics the other day, and it was a little embarrassing. Yep. They were up by a good amount, and then they were down by a good amount because they only scored eight points in the fourth quarter to the Celtics' 31. They, so. they allowed the Celtics to go on a 31-3 run. How's that even possible? And then they scored eight points in the fourth quarter. <sighs> Wow. Yeah, so when we're talking about Jokic for MVP and why Donovan can't win MVP, I'll just point to that game. I mean... Be like, put up more than yeah. eight points in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's a good one. I will say, though, watching that game, Jokic does not get a damn call. It's kind of crazy. We're going to have to do a conspiracy. The, conspiracy you know, that conspiracy is growing a little bit, but damn. Geez, I will I will say call. the conspiracy thing is a little... Because, like, he just has never gotten calls because he kind of plays like a finesse player like his free throws per game are, are the same this year as they've been his whole career That's yeah right. but this so, year we are noticing yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. now we're actually watching him. um but yeah i mean it's definitely it could be a could be a thing because again I, I don't know if they want yoga to to win it yeah but the nuggets do suck for that the 31 to 3 31 to 3 run oh my god and eight points in the fourth quarter Imagine yeah. watching eight points in the fourth quarter. Dude, I, I, I had a friend that. who was at that game, and I should ask him about that. And be you like, should ask him about that. Be like, hey. how, how was that? Yeah. Um, Tom, what about you? What's your stock market for this all week? All right, so I'm buying some hot topics. First of all, I'm buying the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, after you sold them. After I sold them. No, I, I sold their standings. I didn't sell them. Fair. But uh, one, just talk about the Lakers, because I'm really just doing this so we can talk about the Nets. 
but talk about the Lakers first. Andre Drummond looked a fantastic. He had 20 and 11 in like 20 minutes. That's a great game. And all around, it's definitely nice to see. Like I told Nate and Caden, and I said, hey, look, as a Lakers fan, it sucks that eight lumber on an 80 year back. All I need them to do is beat the bad teams. And I'm fine if you lose to the good teams. And they've done that every single game except this game. And they actually destroyed one of the good teams. So good for the Lakers. What Andre good Drummond team was great. that? It was the Nets. Wow. So I do want to talk about the Nets for a second because um, it definitely is something. It's not everything and it's not nothing. It's something that a team without LeBron and AD was able to dominate the Nets in the way, especially the way they did it, which Andre Drummond dominating in the paint is going to have to be how all these teams win. And unfortunately for the Nets, the Bucks have a pretty good paint player. And Giannis and the Sixers have a pretty good paint player and and beat. Do I think that will they'll lose in the first second round? No, but if their biggest weakness is the paint scoring and all of the teams that are going to play Bucks, Sixers, Lakers, all dominate in the paint, it's definitely concerning. It's like, well, how much can that talent win them? I've been saying this for a while about the Nets. That's why I feel good about the Sixers, at least in the Eastern Conference Finals. If they get there, that'll be a different story. But if they meet the Nets there, then. I, that concerns me because who's going to guard Joel? And this is my thing. It was also again like Lamarcus Aldridge was getting eaten up. He was getting eaten alive by Andre Drummond, and Andre Drummond's by himself now. Okay, put LeBron and James at the top of the key, and put Anthony Davis on the wing. You think Andre Drummond's focus from the Nets' defensive plan is going to be as intense? No, it's not. It's going to be on LeBron James. Of course it is. So it's it's something. I I think this Nets team can be beaten they should absolutely be the favorites we, we watched their kryptonite we yeah. literally watched their biggest flaw lose them a game and look i also did this with the kd warriors the first game they had where they got blown out by the spurs and we were all like oh my god but we knew deep down we knew that team that team was unbeatable no matter what because cool, they had the track record because too. they had the track record that all he had to do was 73 and 9 and then plug kd instead of harrison barnes now you're putting a lot more pieces together and LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin don't give them what they needed, which was, which was defense. They don't, they're 25th in defense ranking right now. 25th. That's not even close to a championship team. Now, again, they should still be the favorites because they're so immensely talented. It does not matter. In my opinion, how bad their defense is to at least make the finals or they're, they're the favorites for sure, but they're not unbeatable. If you think they're unbeatable, watch some of these games, they they have a kryptonite. Championship oh. teams usually are great defensive teams, and that twenty fifth in the league that you just brought up is should be you know an eye opener. The worst any defensive team has ever been the past thirty years for the NBA to be a champion is the Lakers, and they were around fifteen, fourteen. They're around fifteen, fourteen most of those years, and you had Shaq and Kobe. So the Nets have that kind of talent. They have Shaq and Kobe kind of talent, but do they? is their interior defense going to bite them in the butt? Because it's not even like with the Warriors when they were running the league, there was team, there wasn't a team. There wasn't a single team where you thought they could beat them. It was, that was the Spurs really. And then so are you selling the Nets? Uh, I'm not selling the Nets. I, I just think it is a little concerning um, but because they supposed to be favorites, but they're not unbeatable. Um, and I'm also buying Zion Williamson because, oh my God, this dude, 
is going off. He's had some game logs. Uh, let me let me look at this up. Well, they're running him at the one, which is working a lot better. Put the ball in his hands. He and looks working very comfortable. Uh, it's I mean, just looking at some games, 26 points, 30 points, 27, 39, 38, 28, 34, 16, 37, 38. He's dominating the league. He is Shaq at point guard. He legitimately is. If you run him at point guard, he is a Shaq type of talent. Um, I honestly wish he got a little bit more boards. I don't know why he only gets seven. I feel like he could average 12 with ease. Mm, but Steven Adams on his team. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, Steven Adams is eating up those those uh those boards but and also steven adams it doesn't really it steven adams is restricting zion williamson it's the same thing with like Embiid and simmons as they both dominate in the paint and he's still averaging 26 27 a game as well i don't think zion's 20 year old four with steve at the five yeah but point guard but po- if you play him almost as a one yeah i mean yeah he kind of is like offensive sets i think it works out way better Th- this guy this like luca Doncic started the all-star or was an all NBA first team his second year into the league. And I think there's a conversation to be had. Who would you rather have? I still rather I'd have Luca, but the fact that there's even a conversation, you're like, maybe Zion and people who yeah, like Zion's way more efficient. He, I mean, yeah, he's definitely a lot more efficient. If you love efficient basketball, Zion is your man. The, the dude it's, that's what's crazy about it is the dude is averaging 27 points on 62% shooting. It's like, Oh, well at least we can leave him open for, for three. He shoots 36 from three. That's not bad. That's no, what I, that's what I want terrible. for Ben Simmons is like shoot 35, 36%. That's not a lot. I'm not asking a lot. Averaging almost a steal a block at, for, in a game. 78% from the free throw line, which isn't great, but it, 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 it'll it do. It's respectable. It's respectable. Three and a half assist. There's just not <sighs> one part of his game where you're like, okay, yeah, that's a huge flaw. It's just we can exploit that as a, an opposing team. Guys, as a rookie, he averaged 22 a game and then immediately bumped up to 27. Uh, you know who else did that? LeBron James, <laughs> his first year averaged around 20-something, 20 22, and it, then his second year was like 26. It cracks me up because I remember everybody was like, Zion, bust man, he's just going to be terrible. He's too fat. After he injured himself in his first NBA season when he was a rookie. Yeah, look, which is his like... His second year, he's getting, you said 26 a game? Yeah, poor guy. Yeah, which again is, he's 20. He's 20 years old. <laughs> Guys... You know, Joe Burrow, the first pick in the NFL draft a year ago, he's 24. So where was Joe Burrow when Zion was averaging right now at 20, averaging 27 a game in the NBA? Uh, Joe Burrow was taking. I think he was at probably Ohio State. Oh, he was at Ohio State. Third string quarterback, either redshirted or just the third. Let's put this into like just put it into perspective, guys. He is doing this at such a young age. He, He he's the only player that I watch like one of the younger players that I go, he could be top 15 of all time. He could be top 15. Oh, I agree. Which is scary. That's terrifying. Cause like KD and Curry are like 13 or 14. And I'm sure the Pelicans will somehow find a way to still be very mediocre with Zion. Oh yeah. I mean, Zion is ending his career in new Orleans. I'm sorry. He's not, it's going to be AD all over again. Let's be honest. Unless Brennan Ingram stays and, I don't know. They do uh, something. I don't. I don't see that. Uh, and then I'm selling the Hornets, not because they're playing bad. They're actually still playing pretty good. But they lost Lamelo Ball, who's a starting point guard, and they lost Gordon Hayward for a little bit, for about a month, right? Uh, at the time when he got injured, Malik Monk still out for several weeks. Yeah. So it's just now again they're still playing well. 
So they could. They're just in the thick of things in the East, and like like I said earlier, the yeah. East is starting to play a little bit better. And I think those injuries are going to start. Yeah, to you can't pitch afford out. injuries now at this point in the season, especially when everybody else is playing so well. So unfortunately, not because of anything that they've done, just of bad luck. Uh, I'm selling the Hornets. Hey, but Lamelo still might come back. That's that is open. Very, yeah. I I bet it comes down to if if he's available because I would say if if they're like feeling good about the play in. Uh, yeah, I think it depends on where they are. I think if they're in like in the play in, I don't think he comes back. Yeah, because like what you're planning to play the Nets or the Sixers, yeah. but I think if you know if you see them as like a even like as a six, you got to play the Bucks. I don't know if you feel comfortable. Yeah, I would say you're just at the point in the season where it's like, hey, we finished strong. We know we would have finished better if he was here, but whatever. I would just punt. Cause yeah, because get- I mean, that, that's a really good start to an NBA career is even just making the playoffs. Because I mean, how many guys make the playoffs? Again, LeBron didn't make the playoffs. Luka didn't make the playoffs his rookie year. Zion didn't make the playoffs. Michael Jordan didn't make the playoffs his rookie year. So making the playoffs your first year is quite the accomplishment. Carlton Towns and your Wiggins definitely didn't. So Are they still or they still haven't. Oh. Well, no, they made it one year with Jimmy. Oh, yeah. good job. They were actually the four seed with Jimmy and then he got injured and they went down the eight seed. And then we all know how that happened. Ouch. You know, yeah. Third stringers. Ugh. Yikes. Anyways, that is my cell. The n- not New Orleans Hornets. What am I talking about? The Charlotte Hornets. Alrighty. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up our episode. Once again, thank you for Miller Theaters for sponsoring this episode and hooking us up with the movie t- tickets for Congress Godzilla. Big shout out to them. And thank you, Chris Parker, for joining us. It was a great interview. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And we will see you guys next week. Peace. Peace.